Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Tuesday, January 15th. And uh, quite frankly, I'm stressed. I am I am way behind schedule. I was supposed to leave for Spokane, Washington. It's about a seven-hour drive. I should have left at 9 a.m. this morning. It's now past 2 o'clock. I am hours, hours late. I have a seven-hour drive ahead of me. Still, though, um, I wanted to do Strong Opinion Sports before I leave. I don't know if I'll be able to do a show while I'm away in Spokane. And so I want to get it out now because there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about. There's a lot of really good sports stories in the news right now. And I think it'd be a shame to not get something out to talk about them. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about today is Kyler Murray. If you've been living under a rock, Kyler Murray just won the Heisman. Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reset this, but I want to say this, that Kyler Murray just declared for the NFL draft. And again, he's a quarterback, formerly played for the University of Oklahoma. He won the Heisman Trophy. He also was drafted by the Oakland Athletics. It's a weird story because he could play either football or baseball. He's a first-round draft pick, possibly. He was already a first-round draft pick in baseball. He could even be a first-round draft pick in football. He's a star. He's incredible. And the first thing I want to say is it seems like a lot of people are very, everyone has a strong opinion on what he should do. Should he play baseball or football? Why or why not? Most people are saying Kyler Murray should play baseball. And I understand where they're coming from. Baseball, potentially you could have a longer career, could potentially make more money, and you could potentially be a lot healthier the rest of your life. I, I get that. But I think at the end of the day, life is short and you got to go with your heart. And if Kyler Murray's heart is telling him he wants to play football, you got to do it because you can't live your life with regret wondering what if, what if this, what if that? And I'm, if he is being pulled in the direction of football by his heart, I think Kyler Murray should play football. Uh, now there's been a ton of speculation about Kyler Murray. People are asking questions like, how good is Kyler Murray? Can Kyler Murray work as an NFL quarterback? Is he worthy of a first round pick? And all these questions lead me to this. The one that matters to me is would I draft Kyler Murray? Would I draft Kyler Murray in the first round? Honestly, sadly, I can't answer that. I need to do more research. Um, I'm trying to be honest. I've seen a lot of highlights of Kyler Murray. I haven't watched him play to play and seen how his decision-making works out. So I don't know if I would draft Kyler Murray in the first round or not. I'm leaning towards yes, because what I've seen from him has been incredible. But I just don't feel comfortable making... I don't feel like I'd be making an informed decision if I said that. But uh, I know that, A, I cannot wait to watch Kyler Murray in the NFL. He's exciting. He's a great athlete. He's a much better passer than Lamar Jackson. <clears throat> so would I draft him? I'm not sure. But there are three really common misconceptions about Kyler Murray. I want to straighten out. There are things that, you know, I want to debunk a couple things people are saying about Kyler Murray that are driving me nuts. Um, and people are putting limitations on Kyler Murray that don't exist. And they're really, really frustrating to me. The first one is this. People keep saying that Kyler Murray is too short to play quarterback in the NFL. People saying Kyler Murray is too short is just absurd. It's ridiculous. And it's, it's really time we stop saying this forever. Can we please end the narrative that a quarterback can be too short to play quarterback in the NFL? It, it's annoying. I mean, it's one thing if a quarterback in college was like terrible. He had passes tipped all the time and he was struggling with seeing, seeing coverages. Then fine. But Kyler Murray didn't struggle in college at all. And so enough is enough. If he's too short to play in the NFL, he would have struggled in college. And it's not that there's, there's just not this, there's not a great height difference from college football to the NFL. I don't know. I don't really understand. 
Um, again, it's not like Kyler Murray had an issue having passes tipped at the line of scrimmage. He never had a problem reading coverages. I don't know why we do this where, you know, here's a great example is Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield. Both times people said, well, they're too short to play football in the NFL. And then in, as the, we showed, they played in the NFL and did great. They shredded defenses in college. For some, whatever reason, people in the draft process decided they were too short. And then they got to the NFL and continued to do what they did in college. Because guess what? Football doesn't change that much. I understand that coverage has changed. It gets more complicated. But your ability to see downfield doesn't matter NFL to college. You can see regardless. Um, height is not an issue for Kyler Murray. I'm getting all worked up. It really does bother me. I'm tired. I was a short quarterback, and so it's personal for me. Um, people say this. A lot of commentators say, well, I don't know how Kyler Murray could see over the line of scrimmage. You know, he's only 5'10". And those people who say that, people say that quarterbacks looking are, might have trouble looking over top of the line of scrimmage, over top of the linemen, they're wrong. They don't know anything about football. I played quarterback my whole life. I played quarterback in college. Nobody sees over the top of the, the lineman. There's not a single quarterback that looks over the top of his offensive lineman. It doesn't happen. I don't know. What, what, what quarterbacks do is use windows between linemen, between your left tackle and right left guard, between your center and left guard, between your right guard and center. There's, there's a window between everybody where you can see coverages downfield in the middle of the field. The sidelines and down, down the outside the numbers is never a problem for any quarterback because you can, it's not, there's nothing obstructing your view. But it really, really bothers me when people say that Kyler Murray is not going to be able to see over the top of his offensive linemen. Nobody does that. Even Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, what, 6'5"? Had offensive linemen that were 6'8". Newsflash, guess who's taller? You can't see over the top. It doesn't work that way. And so if anyone ever tells you quarterbacks might struggle to see downfield, they're just wrong. They don't know what they're talking about because quarterbacks use windows between linemen and between players um nobody sees over the top of their lineman it just irritates me to no end so height height is not an issue with kyler murray he's 5'10 195 pounds and the only thing you can say about his size that i would make any sense to me is you might say well kyler murray's small so maybe he'll get hurt fair enough like that's a i get it but you got you realize kyler murray's never been hurt he got hurt once in college his freshman year against auburn he left the game with a head injury he was back the next week totally fine uh, there's no history of injuries with Kyler Murray. So size, height, none of it. It's not a problem to me. He's a great athlete. He's incredible. And I, I, I just don't think that his body size is an issue with Kyler Murray. Um, now, here's one thing that doesn't matter. A lot of people have made this argument. Well, Kyler Murray won the Heisman Trophy. He's going to be a great quarterback. And that's another thing we need to start understanding. There's no correlation. There's no correlation between if you're good in college, it, your height doesn't matter. And if you're a great quarterback in college that wins the Heisman Trophy, that does not necessarily mean you're going to be successful in the NFL. I don't know how people don't learn from the past, but apparently people don't. Robert Griffin III won the Heisman Trophy. He failed in the NFL. Baker Mayfield, however, looks to be succeeding in the NFL. Oh, Johnny Manziel failed. Matt Leinart failed. Lamar Jackson seems like he's having a solid year, but Tim Tebow failed. Cam Newton won the Heisman Trophy. Seems like a good quarterback. Marcus Mariota won the Heisman. He's still starting in the NFL. My point is this, winning a Heisman Trophy has no correlation with being a good quarterback in the NFL. None. Doesn't matter. There's no impact. They're, they're not related at all. It's, it's nice to say I won the Heisman and I dominated in college. But if you look at the numbers and the history of it, 
Winning the Heisman doesn't mean you'll be a great quarterback in the NFL. And the fact that people still make that argument is ridiculous. So winning the Heisman doesn't necessarily mean Kyler is going to be a great quarterback in college football. But third and finally, please never tell me that Kyler Murray doesn't have the arm strength to play quarterback in the NFL. His arm is unreal. I remember, I mean, it's, it's ludicrous when people say they're concerned about Kyler Murray's arm strength. Um, there was a throw I saw this year where Kyler Murray was standing on his own 40-yard line. Standing on the 40-yard line, he throws a pass into the end zone, and the ball traveled all the way to the back line of the end zone. Well, when Kyler Murray releases the ball, as the ball comes out of his hands, the receiver's halfway through the, the, uh, halfway through the end zone. He travels four steps, and by the time that guy runs four steps, the ball hits him in the hands. That ball, the speed it was traveling was incredibly fast. His arm strength is not a problem. He's got great arm strength downfield. He's got a better arm than Lamar Jackson. It's absurd to me that people are worried about Kyler Murray's arm strength. I I think we should learn from the past. Look at Baker Mayfield. Look at Russell Wilson. Look at Drew Brees. People are often bringing up the same concerns. He's too small. Arm, Oklahoma, college offense. None of it's relevant. None of it matters. Please stop making the same basic dead arguments against Kyler Murray. If you want to talk about Kyler Murray's decision-making, fine. That's a very valid concern. I don't know. I I haven't watched enough film on Kyler Murray to know if he's a great decision-maker or not. Does he have bad habits? How does he handle a pass rush? How does he do, how does he operate within a messy pocket when bodies are all around him? I don't have those answers yet. I got to take a look and watch the film. But stop telling me he's too short. Stop telling me winning the Heisman matters. And stop telling me that Kyler Murray's arm strength isn't good enough. They are all stupid, dead, and tired arguments, and I am done listening to those people and those silly, weird arguments. They don't make any sense, and they don't have any bearing on whether or not Kyler Murray will be a good quarterback or not in the NFL. Personally, can't wait to watch him. I think he's going to be a blast, and I'm I'm leaning towards I would draft him. I got to look at the film. got to do more research, but right now, I feel pretty good about Kyler Murray, and I think if he goes to a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars, ooh. That'd be really, really fascinating. Let's move on. Um, I, I know I got amped. I got really um, intense. It really is something that bothers me when people talk with really uninformed stances about quarterbacks. It's That's my bread and butter. I know quarterbacks. That, that's my favorite thing in the world. I played in college, and it's a, a position I know really, really well, and, I, and I'm passionate about. I get things wrong. I make predictions sometimes. But a prediction and understanding what's going on, like analyzing what's happened and projecting what will happen are two different things and i can tell you what's happened with kyler murray and the things that people are talking about are not problems so uh let's move on we're going to talk about antonio brown in just a minute i'm going to talk about tom brady how to beat tom brady specifically there's a a formula you can follow if you want to beat tom brady that you can follow and the chiefs actually have that the personnel to do it we'll talk about that in a minute we'll talk about why i think the dallas cowboys super bowl window is ending uh we'll talk about what happened uh, in some of the uh, divisional games this weekend, we'll talk about John Gruden and Derek Carr, why I do not think the Raiders are going to move on from Derek Carr. I got a question recently on YouTube. A guy commented, he's like, it's the middle of hockey season. It's the middle of basketball season. Why don't you talk about more hockey and basketball? And it's it's the most bizarre thing to me because, dude, I'm sorry. It's the middle of the NFL playoffs. Give it three weeks. In three weeks, football's over and we can talk about basketball. We're going to have to talk about basketball for months. Let me enjoy football for a couple more weeks. I don't, I have no, basketball is not compelling to me at all right now because the storylines in the NFL are so, so great and so, so interesting. And so um, basketball, it's coming. It's on the horizon. I can see it. Um, But right now I'm just enjoying 
this glorious NFL season we have and are in the midst of. So um, let's talk about Antonio Brown. <clears throat> so Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Antonio Brown wants to be traded. There are reports that he actually wants to go to the 49ers. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, but I want to make a statement. I would not trade for Antonio Brown. I would not, I would not, I would not trade for Antonio Brown. Uh, I know it's a bit controversial. I don't really care. I can acknowledge he's the best wide receiver in football. I, I love what he does. His body control, the way he tracks the ball. He's always in the right place. Antonio Brown's unbelievable. But there are two big reasons why I would not trade for him. The first one is this. Antonio Brown comes at a huge huge cost. And it's not just his salary. First of all, you'd have to trade for Antonio Brown. You trade with the Steelers. You trade to a, what, a first round pick, probably more than that as well. You'd give up a lot to get Antonio Brown onto your roster. But then even after you have Antonio Brown, you've traded for him, given up a lot. You still got to pay the man. And Antonio Brown is a $22 million salary cap hit next year. No, thank you. You can pay like four or five starters with that money. I'd rather pay four or five defensive starters than pay $22 million to Antonio Brown. I'm out. No way. I mean, $22 million is more money than I would pay the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott. I'm just not comfortable giving a wide receiver that much money, even Antonio Brown. But okay, let's consider. Let's say you do make the trade. You trade for Antonio Brown. You pay him $22 million. Then what? What's going to happen? Well, he'd be a ton of fun to watch. Antonio Brown is going to be incredible. He'll make great catches, have really cool touchdowns. He'd be fun. If you're a team that wants to have fun and you're looking for interesting, go for Antonio Brown. But the question is, how much of an impact does Antonio Brown actually make? Let's talk about just wins and losses right now. First of all, let's think about this. Hmm. Well, Antonio Brown plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. What are they doing right now? They're sitting at home. They're not playing. They didn't make the playoffs. And so if you think that trading for Antonio Brown is going to put you over the edge and make get you to the playoffs, you're wrong. I'm really sorry, but <laughs> he doesn't make a huge impact. And then you look around to the entire NFL and you go, hmm, well, let's look at all the best wide receivers, the best and the highest paid wide receivers. Hmm? Odell Beckham Jr. No playoffs. Julio Jones. Oh, the Falcons missed the playoffs. Interesting, huh? How about Jarvis Landry and the Cleveland Browns? Oh, they had a pretty good year. They had a lot of hope. Oh, but they still didn't make the playoffs. Antonio Brown, best wide receiver in football, didn't make the playoffs. And so Antonio Brown, again, I I acknowledge, amazing, incredible, ton of fun to watch. He'd have a lot of great touchdowns. If he goes to the 49ers next year, it'd be so much fun to watch that team. However, at $22 million, he's not worth the price tag. I don't think giving up four or five defensive starters for the $22 million that Antonio Brown is worth to maybe not even make the playoffs because he doesn't have that much of an impact on games. I'm good. I I don't know. I get it. It's a really, it's like a, it's like a donut or like something that you really, really want. It's just this juicy thing that you can't wait to have. And, And as an offensive coordinator, you look at Antonio Brown, he opens up a lot of other stuff, right? If you, if you, Kyle Shanahan, for example, with the 49ers, if he brought in Antonio Brown, not only would he have a lot of productivity from his the play plays he makes, the defense would have to give more attention to Antonio Brown, which would open up other people. I get it. I understand why Antonio Brown is so enticing as a as a receiver and why people want them him on their team. I just don't think he's worth it. The twenty two million dollars, he's not worth it. You got to give up because it's not just twenty two million dollars. Again, 
You got to give up probably a draft pick, a couple good players. You got to give up a lot just to trade for him. Then you got to pay him. No, thank you. I'm good. I do not want any part of a trade involving Antonio Brown. I would not trade for Antonio Brown at all. <clears throat> Woo! Um, man, I'm hyped up. I'm really like, I'm not stressed. I'm not anxious. I'm just like, uh, I'm feeling it today. I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm talking way too fast. I really have no idea. I, uh, I just, those two topics, I, I wrote them in like five minutes this morning. I have so much to say. And uh, I really wanted to get them out. So, there are four teams left, uh, four teams remaining in the NFL playoffs. You have the Saints and the Rams in the NFC. And on the other side of the bracket in the AFC, you have the Patriots and the Chiefs. And after next weekend, we're going to know what two teams will be playing in the Super Bowl. And all four possible matchups are fantastic. I can't wait. Uh, personally, I hope we get the Saints and the Patriots. I would love to watch Drew Brees and Tom Brady. Uh, they're my two favorite quarterbacks of all time. I grew up loving both of them. And so, I mean, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even know who I would root for. I just would want a close game that ends tight. And whichever one of them won, maybe the best man win, it would be a lot of fun. Um, it'd be especially cool if the Patriots made it to the Super Bowl because everybody wrote them off. I remember all offseason and early in the season, they're like, oh, they suck. They don't have wide receivers. Belichick and Brady hate each other. La, 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 la. And it was all crap. None of it mattered. They're here again in the AFC Championship game. And um, I don't know. But again, every single potential matchup in the Super Bowl is going to be fantastic. Whatever we get, it's going to be great. I mean, another potential matchup would be the Rams and the Chiefs. And if they got in, first of all, I wouldn't be upset if either the Rams or the Chiefs got in. I want Patriots, Saints, but every matchup's great. If we got a rematch of that Monday night football game between the Rams and the Chiefs, you remember that game? It was 54 to 51, had an, a combined 1,001 yards of total offense. It's probably the best game of the year was the Rams beating the Chiefs earlier this year on Monday night football. Patrick Mahomes had five turnovers. It was just a blast. And so if we get that as another as a Super Bowl, I don't care. It's going to be great. Uh, I will admit the the next matchup I would like. So I'm, I'm going to rank them all. I'd rather I want Saints and Patriots first. If we don't get that matchup, I'd rather have Rams Chiefs. The third most interesting matchup would be the Saints versus the Chiefs because you would have two incredible quarterbacks, Breeze and Mahomes, statistically putting up a bunch of huge numbers. They were the two top MVP candidates this year. And uh, it'd be really, really fun to watch that matchup. And even the worst matchup, even the one that's like the one that I want the least, the fourth best matchup, the Rams and the Patriots, still is not only a great game, has a ton uh, of potential intrigue. I mean, if you remember the last time the Rams were in the Super Bowl, they actually lost to a first-year starting quarterback, Tom Brady. It was second year in the league, first year as a starter. Tom Brady beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. It's incredible. It's super fascinating to me um, how every matchup we're going to have, all four, there's four teams, four potential matchups. Every single one of them would be fantastic. The storylines here are amazing. And um, I'm just anxious to see who wins. I have no idea. Uh, personally, again, I'm rooting for Brady and Breeze to play each other in the Super Bowl. But if the Chiefs or the Rams got in, I wouldn't be upset at all. I mean, I, I really, the Rams are playing good football. And uh, the way they beat the Cowboys up front this week was impressive. And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about how these four teams got into this position where they're playing in their conference championship games. So on Saturday, the Rams beat the Cowboys 30-22. to 
And I wasn't shocked that the Rams won, but I was surprised at how they won. The way the Rams beat the Cowboys, the process and the schemes they ran, and the way things played out just really, really is impressive to me and surprises me. One team had 273 yards rushing. The other team only had 50. And if you told me that the team that only had 50 yards rushing was going to be the Dallas Cowboys, I would be shocked. But indeed, that is exactly what happened. The Rams had 273 yards rushing, and the Dallas Cowboys only had 50. They couldn't get anything going. And uh, it's just so impressive because the Rams dominated up front the entire game between the Rams and the Cowboys. Uh, I understand Rams quarterback Jared Goff was fine. He was 15 for 28 passing, uh, 186 yards, no touchdowns, but also no interceptions. But what's so impressive for the Rams was the way that their front played. I mean, all year we've heard about this incredible Dallas Cowboys front seven. You know, the Dallas Cowboys, ah, and I even was part of the narrative that said that pushed, you know, we were so interested in what happened uh, in, in, on their defensive side of the ball. And the Rams dominated the Cowboys. It was not a problem. That, that whole legendary front seven for the Cowboys faded very quickly the minute the game started. And uh, I, I'm so impressed by the Rams. If they can keep that up playing that way, they could definitely win a Super Bowl. Uh, I think we should talk about Jared Goff, though. Jared Goff is going to have to step up and have a better game next week against the Saints. He was very quiet, 15 20 for 28, no touchdowns, 186 yards. However, again, though, if the Rams keep playing defense the way they are, running the ball the way they are, I mean, just demolishing teams like they demolished the Cowboys, there's no doubt that the Rams could absolutely win the Super Bowl. Um, now, I'm, one thing I will say that I was concerned about from D Jared Goff, uh, and I still remain concerned even after the Dallas Cowboys game, was Jared Goff has not been handling pressure very well. There was a play on third and two um, early in the game where the Cowboys brought pressure. Jared Goff kind of faded away, made a bad and accurate throw on the goal line, and they had to settle for a field goal. I'm, I'm very curious to watch how Jared Goff handles pressure next week against the Saints. I think the Saints have an okay pass rush. Um, if they have to play the Chiefs again, I'd be very concerned for Jared Goff. Last time Jared Goff played the Chiefs, he was he had four touchdowns, no interceptions. But Jared Goff, as of late, recently has been really struggling with bodies around him. I think people have figured out the way to beat Jared Goff is to hit him, to knock him into the turf, and, and make him uncomfortable. And so I, I'm really concerned that Jared Goff might be the downfall of the Rams again this year. Um, but we'll find out on uh, next weekend how he handles the pressure from the Saints. I, I think they're going to blitz him a lot, try to make him uncomfortable. And I really want to know how he handles it. Now, I love, I love, I love, I love this L.A. Rams offense. Um, there's a reason why everybody talks about what they do. There was a, a, a series they ran, uh, a series of plays they ran against the Cowboys I want to talk about that just was fascinating to me. Um, I love the strategy behind football. Here's what they did. They ran a, it's, it's a very common thing now. A lot of people do it, but it's a nuance to why the Rams are so good. They ran a fly sweep across, which means the receiver runs across the formation right behind the quarterback. They would fake it to, they would either hand the ball off to that wide receiver and then they would fake it inside and then Jared Goff would set up the throw. So one option on that play, again, you hand it off to the wide receiver coming across the line of scrimmage, coming across the formation. Hey, he runs a fly sweep to the outside. On another play, they faked it to the receiver, handed it off inside to the running back. The running back hits it up inside for a big gain. But the third wrinkle was even more interesting. They, they faked the fly sweep, they fake inside, then Jared Goff ran play action and threw a deep pass downfield. Um, and what's cool about that is it looks the same. Every single one of those nuances looks exactly the same. 
And other teams, the Bears started copying that. You watch the Chiefs run a lot of kind of fly action and getting guys in space that way. Um, it's so impressive to watch the way the Rams game plan and the way the Rams use their players to the best of their abilities, getting everything out of them. Uh, I was really concerned when Cooper Cup, one of the Rams' best wide receivers, got hurt earlier this year. And they've been okay. I mean, they've been not only okay, they've been really fine at creating matchups. And the way Sean McVay uses his players to create bad matchups for the defense is so fascinating. Um, and so even with Jared Goff struggling, not playing great, uh, the Rams are in a superior stance from a schematic point of view. I mean, they are really, really playing well and and dialing up some really good play calls. Another thing, the final most impressive thing about the Rams' victory over the Cowboys was that in the beginning of the fourth quarter, early in the game, early in the fourth quarter, it was fourth and one for the Dallas Cowboys. And when you talk about the Cowboys of late, a power running team that just will run the ball down your throat and play really good defense up front, the Cowboys are known for big physical football and dominating the line of scrimmage on offense and on defense. It was so impressive because on fourth and one, when the Dallas Cowboys needed a yard early in the fourth quarter, they got stopped. They got stuffed. The Rams made a stand. They were big. They were strong. And uh, I am really, really, what happened on uh, this weekend is we finally saw the money the Rams spent in the offseason paying Indominus Sue, paying Aaron Donald. It all paid off against the Cowboys. Indominus Sue finally showed up. And I don't know, I wonder if he's had that in him all year, but now that it's the playoffs, he has brought everything to the table. And uh, I we're starting to see that money that the, the Rams spent in the offseason pay off because their players, their defense showed up to play. And if they play that way the rest of the year, they could very well win the Super Bowl. I mean, I feel bad for the, I think the Saints are a bad matchup for the Rams. I think that the Patriots would be a bad matchup for the Rams. The way the Rams personnel works on defense, uh, the best matchup and the team that has the best chance of beating the Rams actually, I think, is the uh, Kansas City Chiefs because of their quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but Drew Brees and, and Tom Brady are sitting ducks back there uh, against the Rams defense. So, um, the Cowboys lost to the Rams. They're out of the playoffs. And I believe the Cowboys playoff window just closed. Uh, the next five years, it's over for Dallas. Their, their chance of winning a Super Bowl in the next five years, it's ended. Uh, it doesn't mean they won't make the playoffs. doesn't mean they might not have a couple good years. But here's why I think the, the window of opportunity for the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl is over. Two words, uh, salary cap. It's very simple. Um, I mean, first, you're gonna have to, the Cowboys are going to have to pay Dak Prescott this offseason. And they're probably going to overpay him. I would give him... I'd give him $16 million, and that's more than I'm comfortable, but it's better than it would. They're probably going to give him closer to 2022. Um, but even after that, they're going to have to still pay Demarcus Lawrence, and then later they're going to have to pay Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, it's over. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys had a chance to capitalize on the fact that they had really cheap stars, and now they're going to have to start paying their star players to keep them in Dallas. And, um, I mean, you just have three giant leeches sucking away all your salary cap. And the Cowboys are not going to be able to fill out the rest of their roster down the road in the future. Uh, and, and they're not going to build a team that's capable of winning a Super Bowl. I mean, we saw a very similar thing happen to the Seattle Seahawks uh, in 2015. In summer of 2015, the Seattle Seahawks signed Russell Wilson to a massive, massive contract. And it ended their run. The reason why the Seattle Seahawks window of opportunity closed uh, was, yeah, they had an aging defense, yada, yada, but... Part of why Seattle won so much in Russell Wilson's early years was they were paying Russell Wilson diddly squat, paying him nothing. And when you're paying a quarterback the league minimum, you can spend money 
elsewhere to build your roster. I mean, a great uh, thing move they made in their Super Bowl run against the Denver Broncos, the Seattle Seahawks went out and got Percy Harvin. And Percy Harvin was hurt like the entire year until the Super Bowl. He got healthy and made a huge impact. And they had a bunch of just like weapons everywhere that they don't have anymore because they can't afford to based on the way their salary cap is structured. So similar to the Seattle Seahawks in 2015, when their window closed as they had to pay their quarterback, Russell Wilson, the Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl window is about to close. They're going to have to pay Dak Prescott, Demarcus Lawrence, Ezekiel Elliott, and it's going to be too much. They're not going to be able to fill out the rest of their roster. And uh, it's very sad. I mean, they might make the playoffs, but they had an opportunity to take advantage of star players with really cheap contracts. And uh, they don't. I mean, here's a great example. Look at the L.A. Rams. The L.A. Rams paid everybody this year. Um, what they did, but they got a bunch of stars. Jared Goff's making almost nothing. So they went out and got Aqib Tlaib, Dominic and Sue, Brandon Cooks, Marcus Peters. They spent money building their roster and making filling out their roster to have a Super Bowl run. And so that's all because and, and made possible because of Jared Goff's really small contract. When you pay the quarterback and you start paying other star players, their ability to spend money elsewhere and build out and fill out the rest of your roster will end very quickly. And I'm curious what happens to the Rams in the next couple of years. And they got to pay Jared Goff when other star players like I keep believe is going to leave. Marcus Peters is probably going to leave. And Dominican Sue is not going to stay there. Um, it's not sustainable. And so the Cowboys had a chance to get a title the way the Eagles did with a really cheap uh, quarterback like Carson Wentz last year. And uh, the Cowboys sadly blew their opportunity. Their window is now closed. Okay, um, I'm really happy for the New Orleans Saints. Here's a story that people seem to forget. This time last year, um, and really I think I want to talk about two stories people often forget. So one story that people often forget is Drew Brees. Drew Brees last year with the New Orleans Saints um, kind of got robbed. And not just Drew Brees, the entire Saints organization just lost. This time last year, they just lost a huge game in Minnesota, that miracle in Minnesota where the... Uh, Miami, uh, Minnesota Vikings scored Miami Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings scored a touchdown on the last play of the game and, and beat the Saints. And the Saints got robbed of an opportunity to make a Super Bowl run. And this whole season for the Saints has been a, not just a comeback story, but a redemption story. And now against the Rams this weekend, the Saints have a chance at redemption to go back to the Super Bowl. But this has been a long time in the making. This has been a, a, an axe the Saints have had to grind. I mean, I'm, I imagine this year has been like, it's business. We got to get back to where we were last year and then finish the journey. And so business has just been going and going and going. And the Saints have been hungry this year to get back to where they were last year with an opportunity to go to the NFC Championship game that they blew. Now, another another story people often forget, uh, and it's very important not to because it's a, a massive, massive story and, and a, a something that the Chiefs deserve a lot of respect for. Never, ever, ever forget the Kansas City Chiefs had a good thing going they had a really good solid starting quarterback Alex Smith and they had a team that made the playoffs I mean they were a good franchise and the Kansas City Chiefs decided to take a big risk they traded away their franchise quarterback Alex Smith and turned to Patrick Mahomes a an unproven second year quarterback that they believed in and and it's great I mean I'm sure they saw him in practice making great throws yada yada um, but there still was, it still was risk involved. I mean, there's a chance he got in, nerves got to him, and he suddenly sucked out of nowhere. And so the fact that the Chiefs took that big risk, gambling their franchise on Patrick Mahomes, and not only did they gamble their franchise on Patrick Mahomes, it worked big time. He's probably the league MVP. 
Um, never forget the risk, though, that the, the Chiefs took. Um, we often have moments in life where we're safe, we're comfortable, and the fact that the, the Chiefs were willing to risk their comfort, their safety, a team that made the playoffs was nationally relevant, very interesting, and said, so we're, we're going to risk the, what we have now, this comfort and safety, to build a better future with Patrick Mahomes, who could potentially lead us to a Super Bowl. Uh, it looks like it's worked out for the Kansas City Chiefs in a big way, and I am just massively impressed with the risk they took and, and that storyline that people seem to forget is that it was not a guaranteed done deal that the Patrick Mahomes would succeed. We all, we thought maybe, like I took a chance, I said, I think he's going to make it. But never forget, the Kansas City Chiefs took a big risk when they traded away Alex Smith and committed to Patrick Mahomes. This weekend, um, in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, Phillip Rivers and Drew Brees looked old. Uh, I mean, both of them had moments where they would make the right read, they had everything right, and they didn't have the arm strength to complete the pass downfield, and uh, they struggled with accuracy. Not not to a big deal. I mean, Drew Brees is great within you know 20 yards, um, but there were a couple throws down the sideline, especially on the right side, where Drew Brees missed guys that were open and had beaten a guy by a step. Uh, Philip Rivers, especially, even more than time, Drew Brees, Philip Rivers had guys open by, you know, by NFL margins, by inches, but still, that's that's guys open in tight windows, and Philip Rivers was unable to get the ball there on time. He lacked arm strength. He had guys hitting him sometimes, and he would float a ball in instead of driving it in. Um, it's time for the Saints and, and the Chargers to figure out what's next for their franchise. Um, I think the Saints are in a great position. They have Taysom Hill and Teddy Bridgewater. I really like Teddy Bridgewater. I think he learned a lot from his Week 17 start. And I think the Saints are in a good position. The Saints have a succession plan in place. Whether it's Taysom Hill or Teddy Bridgewater, they're set. The Chargers don't have a plan. The Chargers don't have anything in place. And so it's time now, in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Chargers must draft a quarterback in the first three rounds. It's, they got to go get Jarrett Stidham from Auburn, or maybe they'll go get Tyree Jackson from University of Buffalo. But it, it is time for the Chargers to go draft a quarterback I'm not saying first round. Don't you don't have to trade it for Kyler Murray, because Philip Rivers looks like he has a little bit of time left. But it, it is time for that. It's they got to get on it. The, the the Chargers had better get a quarterback and better get a succession plan working in L.A. because Philip Rivers' age is starting to show, uh, and it did against the Patriots on Sunday. Watching the Patriots and the Chargers this weekend uh, was so so frustrating uh, because. The Chargers' game plan to stop Tom Brady was just awful. It was terrible. I don't, I don't know how you... That's your plan? It was really, really frustrating. It, it was aggravating to watch. Um, the Chargers played a bunch of zone coverage, and they didn't get pressure on Tom Brady. Here's why that's a problem. There is a template. There is a, a way to beat Tom Brady, and it's been proven multiple times by Michael Strahan and the New York Giants. There is a, a formula you can follow if you want to beat Tom Brady, and it looked like the Chargers simply didn't even weren't even aware there was a, a, a template. They just played their own defense, and it didn't work. They didn't try anything unique, and Tom Brady carved them up. I mean, it, the Patriots embarrassed the Chargers on Sunday. Um, both the Chiefs and the Rams have, however, the ability to beat Tom Brady. They have the personnel required to do what the Giants did against the Patriots in both Super Bowls. Here's how you beat Tom Brady. You have to pressure Tom Brady. You have to make him uncomfortable. Hit him. Throw him to the turf. Pressure him. 
And then you cross your fingers that doing that works. You got to play man coverage. You got to pressure him with a four-man rush. And then you just hope that works because he's still a great quarterback who will make plays against you. But you can't do what the Chargers did. What the Chargers did against Tom Brady will never work. You cannot play zone coverage against Tom Brady. The Chargers did. They got torched. Tom Brady will shred you like he did the Chargers. You also cannot excessively blitz Tom Brady. If you blitz a linebacker against Tom Brady, he's okay with that. In fact, as a quarterback, you get really excited when a a blitzer comes at you because you know if a linebacker blitzes from the left side of the field, there's now an opening in that area where he vacated. You're taught as a quarterback, blitzing, it might hurt, you might get thrown to the ground, but it's good because it means probably you'll complete a pass. If a guy comes, I throw the ball where he came from. He comes to the left, I throw the ball to the left, the receiver replaces him uh, in that zone, uh, in that area of the field. And so... It's really interesting. The Chargers both, they tried to blitz Tom Brady at times, didn't work, and they played a lot of zone coverage, didn't work. Um, A good quarterback, again, really likes when you blitz them. Tom Brady does. Here's what irritates Tom Brady. Tom Brady's laying in the dirt. He got hit as he threw. There's a 300-pound man laying on him, breathing his bad breath into Tom Brady's mouth. That's what Tom Brady doesn't like. Make him uncomfortable. Throw him to the ground. It's not pretty. It's it's very physical, but that's how you beat Tom Brady. The defense is playing man coverage. Rob Gronkowski has two people guarding him. He's not open at all. And the defense is getting pressure with just a four or five man rush. No extra blitzers. Just great defensive linemen making plays, getting after Tom Brady. Doing their job. That is what they can do to beat Tom Brady. That is what the Chiefs have the personnel to do. Uh, quite cool. Um the Kansas City Chiefs have players that can do that. They have D Ford, a great outside linebacker off the edge. The Chiefs can run a four or five man rush and get pressure on Tom Brady. A five man rush is really, really hard for the Patriots because it means every lineman has a one on one matchup. And if you play man coverage against the Patriots, you take away their short little underneath routes. If you can make Tom Brady come off his first read and hold the ball, go to a second or third read, you have a chance to sack Tom Brady or hit him as he throws and affect his rhythm. That is how you beat Tom Brady. Hit him. Pressure him, make him come off his first read by playing really good man coverage. If you can do all that, you can beat Tom Brady. And I think the Chiefs have the personnel to do that. They have the players, they have the guys, and the manpower to do that. And if, if, if man coverage the Chiefs run can make Tom Brady hold the ball, come to a second, third read, and pressure can get to Tom Brady, the Patriots will be in trouble. That is how you beat Tom Brady. Uh, final topic of the day. Uh, killing it. I feel good. Um, I'm pumped up. My, my stomach's growling. I'm really hungry, but otherwise feeling great. Um, there's been a lot of speculation that John Gruden and the Raiders might get rid of their quarterback, Derek Carr. They might trade Derek Carr away to find a cheaper quarterback and draft some young guy. I don't, I don't buy it at all. I do not. I am not a proponent of this at all. I, I just don't buy it. I'm going to play a clip. This is John Gruden mic'd up. And uh, this is why I do not believe the Raiders are going to trade Derek Carr anytime soon. That's the way to start today, huh? man. Hey, we'll start with the lead. Yeah, we'll take that. It's the first time all year, I think. You like this? Yeah. I don't want you to hold it and take a shot. If, it, if it's not there, coach, I'll throw it away. Throw it away. I do not yeah. want a sack. This will make it a three possession Hardest game. Hardest guy to sack okay. in the league. Love you, man. Love you. Love you, man. Love you. Love you. Take care of the ball. You're doing great stuff. I will. So what you see when you watch that clip is two guys that have rapport. Two guys that have taken the time to build a relationship between each other. 
Uh, I think it's really interesting. You see how quickly Derek Carr says, yes, coach, I'll do what you want. If it's not there, I'll throw it away. That's because they've had a struggle this year with that. They've been through it. They've grown. They've learned. Uh, and they've been building rapport all year. They've come a long way. You don't build all that rapport with Derek Carr just to trade him away and throw that all that work, all that effort, all that time coaching him to the dust. It takes a year to gel, I think, with John Gruden. They've done that work. It would be ridiculous to throw that all away now. But even more than that, you see and you hear in this clip two guys who love each other, two guys who have a relationship, two guys who seem to like working together. Um, I mean, the Raiders have a ton of money invested in Derek Carr. He's a heart and soul of their franchise. And uh, never forget that John Gruden chose to work with Derek Carr. John Gruden could have gone a lot of places. He chose to go to the Raiders, and he chose to work with their quarterback, Derek Carr. Um, I do not think there's a chance the Raiders trade Derek Carr. Um, that, that rumor is, it's been around for a long time. I don't know who generated it, but it's really silly. Uh, I just do not think there's a single chance that the Raiders are going to trade their franchise quarterback, Derek Carr. Uh, guys, thank you so much. That's been my podcast. Um, I, I feel so good about today's episode. I really, uh, one whole long take, I never had to cut, doing my thing. Uh, I feel like, I really feel like I'm getting better at this. I'm getting more comfortable and um, I'm so excited. There's a lot, a lot of great football games this weekend. I don't know if I'll do another podcast the rest of the week. I'm going to um, Spokane, Washington to visit my grandparents. I'm doing a shoot for uh, Sci-Fi ch- uh, Channel and I am doing a couple other stuff. I'm going to visit my old college town, Pullman, Washington. So uh, we may not talk again until next Tuesday, if that's the case. Um, I hope you guys have a great week. Enjoy the games, and uh, we'll be back with good stuff. So, because I'm taking not a vacation, but I'm going out of town, I'll have a lot of time to write and a lot of time to prepare and watch film. My plan for the next episode is to break down Tyree Jackson, the Buffalo quarterback. We'll talk about Kyler Murray, his decision makings. I'm really fascinated about that. And I want to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, why Jimmy Garoppolo is such a disappointment this year, and why I'm not convinced he's really the franchise quarterback that everyone thinks he is. Uh, That, more, a lot of good stuff coming up. Um, I'm so grateful for you guys, man. It's my favorite thing in the world. I love doing shows. I love preparing. I just like writing. I like sharing my thoughts. And so thank you so very, very much. Um, I did start another podcast. Uh, I do Strong Opinion Sports. It's my favorite thing in the world. Um, But I started another show. It's called Zach Schaumler is a Flawed Human. And I started doing it because I, I just feel like I have more to say. And I, so many people hate me for like my opinions on sports. And that's not consequential at all. And so I wanted to talk about things that matter to me, like relationships and um, life lessons I've learned and my brother dying and uh, even my favorite musical artist, John Bellion. I just want to share more than just my opinions on sports. And if you have any inclination, if you're curious at all uh, in that show, go to Zach Schaumler. It's on SoundCloud. It's on iTunes very soon. Um, there's a YouTube channel, Zach Schaumler. It's just my personal name. Um, and it's, it's cool. I mean, it's, it's hard to put out content that's just yourself and your name because one thing when someone hates you for liking Tom Brady, it's another thing when someone literally just hates you. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I, I'm getting more comfortable doing what I'm doing. And, um, I, I hope if you have any interest, go listen to Zach Schaumler's a flawed human. It's a great show. Um, if you've ever been through a breakup, I think what I have to say really will help you. And, uh, with that guys, thank you so much. And I will see you probably next week, maybe Friday, but likely on Tuesday, but um, bum, bam. We are done.